And that was a blessing, wasn't it? Thank you, Darlene and Diane. We can always praise the Lord that we have a gentle shepherd who watches over us and cares for us. Well, it's a blessing to be in the pulpit this morning. I don't get too many opportunities to preach on a Sunday morning, but uh, when I do, I try to take advantage of them. So, praise the Lord. So, what that means is I'll ask Pastor to leave more often, okay? (laughs) No, you can be praying for Pastor and Miss Janie. They are out of town. They went down to Arizona. They will be coming back this afternoon. Um, If you would pray that they can make it back for our business meeting tonight, that would be wonderful. Uh, By the way, I hope you can make our meeting tonight, and uh, there is a VBS meeting afterwards about Vacation Bible School that's coming up very soon, too. So, um, yeah, if you would open your Bibles to the Judges 13, Judges 13, uh, this morning, this message uh, really comes out of my time with the Lord, my devotions, Uh, a couple weeks ago during missions conference. I was reading through the book of Judges, and and I don't know about you, I have mixed feelings about the book of Judges. Um, it's, there's a lot of interesting stories in there, a lot of neat ways God delivers his people, but also there's a whole lot of, <laughs> whole lot of sin, a lot of worldliness, and it's just sad to see how Israel's so fickle. Um, but uh, really, this morning, and I'm not totally sure what I'm going to preach, actually next Sunday, pastor's going to be out of town again for his uh, daughter Jennifer's graduation, but I, I just feel impressed to preach on the home. Um, for the next two Sundays, we are going to celebrate Mother's Day next Sunday. And uh, really, God, I think, gave me this message in the book of J- uh, Judges here um, and looking at, really, a man named Manoah and his wife. And his wife's name is not mentioned in the Bible. Um, we're not sure. There is some speculation on it, but I'll not get into that. Uh, but this morning, I, I want to just I want to speak just from God's word and I give a message entitled The Blessings of a godly home, the blessings of a godly home. You know, I think so often we overlook these blessings. Uh, Just as we sang of a gentle shepherd, uh, often in a home, sometimes even children raised in a Christian home overlook all the blessings. and It's like they're looking on the other side of the fence on what's over there and really don't understand the blessings that we have in a home that is set apart for God. And so as you as you hear this, uh, title this morning. What I, what I don't want you to do is, is some of you to say, "Well, I'm, uh, I, I've already raised my children. Um, I may have grandchildren or great grandchildren, and, and somehow to tune out these things and say, well, that's for the younger generation, or some here that are the <clears throat> real young generation would say, well, I, um, I don't, I'm not married yet. Uh, I'm just not that far along." All these things God can use in our lives. I believe this message is for every one of us in here. Each one of us uh, grew up in a home, obviously, and each one of us has relationships with other people within the community and within the church. And uh, young people are preparing at one time, Lord willing, for marriage and, and family. And so I think there's some really good things for us this morning. If anything, just remembering the blessings that God has given you in Christ. And uh, my prayer is that God will will speak and do a mighty work in our hearts this morning. And so I want to start reading in Judges 13. Uh, This is a long chapter, but I I feel impressed to read it all. How many of you are familiar with the story of Manoah and his wife, who are the parents of Samson? All right, there's just a few. Let's start reading in verse 1, Judges 13. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord 
delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah, the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God. Very terrible, or a better translation is very awesome, very fearful, amazing. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told he me his name. But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son. And now drink no wine nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. And Manoah entreated, or he prayed, beseeched the Lord, and said, O my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us, and teach us what we should do unto the child that should be born. And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again unto the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And the woman made haste and ran and showed her husband and said unto him, Behold, the man hath appeared unto me that came unto me of the other day. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said unto him, Art thou the man that spakest unto the woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child and how shall we do unto him? And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, of all that I said of the woman, let her beware. She may not eat. She may not eat of anything that cometh of the vine. Neither let her drink wine or strong drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, I pray thee, let us detain thee until we shall have made ready a, a kid uh, 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 like a lamb for thee. And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Though thou detain me, I will not eat of thy bread. If thou wilt offer a burnt offering, thou must offer it unto the Lord. For Manoah knew not that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, What is thy name? That when thy sayings come to pass, we may do thee honor. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Why askest thou thus after my name, seeing it is secret. Or you could translate it, seeing it is wonderful. So Manoah took a kid with a meat offering and offered unto a rock unto the Lord, and the angel did wondrously. And Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came to pass when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their faces to the ground. But the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah and to his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord. Manoah said unto his wife, We shall surely die because we have seen God. But his wife said unto him, 
If the Lord were pleased to kill us, he would not have received a burnt offering and a meat offering at our hands. Neither would he showed us all these things, nor would as it this time have told us such things as these. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtiel. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for your word. And Lord, as we have read this passage to some very um, infamiliar with this passage, Lord, we pray, Lord, that in just the next few minutes, though we don't have lots of times this morning, we, we time this morning, we pray and ask that you, Lord, would speak to us. That you would help us to see the blessings of a godly home. That you, Lord, would help us, that you would show us areas in our homes that that we need to focus our eyes back on, upon you and areas that really bring blessing in our home. So, Lord, we ask that you help. We ask that you do a work of grace in our hearts. We ask that you teach us this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow, a lot of verses. Quite a story, really. How many of you have heard? How many of you have read all that before? Okay, there are a few. Good. Now some of you are saying, yeah, I I remember this story. Um, But, you know, as you think about it, there are so many blessings in a godly home. But but let's think the other way. Let's think of just a a home that maybe is not a godly home, uh, not a Christian home. But maybe there are some homes, and I've met homes, I've met families, I've met husband and wives, where they seem to have a pretty good marriage. And honestly, I think there are certain qualities, there's certain things really that maybe they don't even understand, certain principles, godly principles that are in a home that maybe doesn't necessarily put Christ on the throne in the home. But as you think of those marriages, and not that we're to compare one another or rate per certain people, but there there might be a, a marriage that's pretty good. There are some people that don't know Christ. They have long marriages um, and have marriages that really, in many ways, um, can produce children that are, you know, amazing. Astronauts, um, presidents, things like that. I mean, pretty, pretty amazing. But I, but I want to just bring before you and get you to think a bit, though, Truly, in comparison to those people, to someone that has a godly home, a godly marriage, that marriage and that home can never fully compare to a godly marriage and a godly home. It should be that way. And if you were to rate them on a scale of, or not a scale of one to ten, but an ABCD, a grade scale, uh, maybe a home like that could have a, a B, maybe a B minus. But as a Christian home, with godly principles, with Christ on the throne, truly our homes ought to be, they're able to be at the A level, aren't they? And I believe in this passage this morning, I believe that that we've got to draw from the truth that's in this passage about the godly home and the blessings in a godly home. Because truly the points I'm going to give this morning really help us to understand the blessings that can come and from having a godly home. And, and really the problem is, is that our society is not godly, is it? And ultimately each one of us has 
of flesh and each one of us are fallen creatures and each one of us fall short. And in any marriage, whether it's saved or unsaved, there, there's going to be problems. There's going to be difficulties. Whenever two individual sinners, selfish people, even though they get saved and they come together, they then realize all the all the the uh, shortcomings of each individual. Maybe after the money honeymoon, right? Maybe right on the honeymoon. I don't know. <laughs> but truly, there are shortcomings. But but. But ultimately, when we put Christ on the throne, when we look to him, there are some amazing blessings that a home can have if it's a godly home that this world can not have. So listen up this morning as we look at some of these blessings. And truly, my my desire is to remind us of these blessings. But truly, if there's there's some things that are not taking place in our homes, then those are things that need to be repented of and turned to the Lord for God's blessing and his help. But society around us, society is in our in our generation, we've seen in my generation, I've seen a lot of changes within the, the school system, within government, within just really our society and, and not good changes. And many of us can talk about those things. And even this last week with uh, one of a, a retail store saying it's OK to to have men and women go in the same bathrooms and share bathrooms. And and it's just like, wow, 15 years ago, I, I can't imagine Something like that. Can you? I think when I was in high school, I remember one kid coming to school. And this is rural Montana coming coming in a dress. That was like, what in the world? This kid, it must be like uh, some type of uh, getting ready for a tournament. And they're being goofy or something. You know what I mean? But, but it wasn't. Uh, but these things have came. And really the society in which uh, Sam, uh, Samson's parents, Manoah and his wife, were living in was really a very worldly society. And it's very interesting, as we, as you know, the book of Judges, Judges chapter 2 really gives the outline there and it talks about, and you know this, many of you, that there's a cycle that te- keeps taking place and how really Israel, they, they forsake the Lord, the, the Lord that had brought them out of the promised land, that had brought or brought them out of Egypt into the promised land and, and how God had done these great mighty things. But in Judges 2, it says the generation of those that had seen the mighty works of God had passed and the next generation forgot God. And they forsook the Lord and they turned themselves to Baal and to all these idols and they forsook the Lord. And what does God do? God says, because you have forsaken me, I will now judge you and I will now bring another uh, people in people group to come and to rule over you. And they would rule over in this cycle, I think, in the book of Judges is somewhere around nine, seven to nine times that this takes place. And where we're at now, it is the Philistines that have came in. The Philistines had already done this once for around 20 years, 18 to 20 years. You, you remember Jephthah, Jephthah helped them to be delivered from the Philistines. But the Philistines didn't fully, they weren't fully gone. They were still around. And so what happens, though, in, 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 in that cycle is they forsake the Lord. God gives a, a people, they become captive to them. As they're in that captivity, they eventually realize that they need their Lord. They need God. They cry out to God. They ask for his help. They ask for his deliverance. And God would send a deliverer, would send a judge to come and help his people be delivered from those that they're under captivity. And they would be delivered and then they would turn to the Lord. But unfortunately, even as uh, Judges chapter 2 says they would often revert and turn away from the Lord in captivity, all the things, and that cycle just keeps going on and going on. But here in this chapter, we see that the Philistines in chapter uh, uh, chapter 13, verse 1, we see how the Philistines now, 
uh, are having the Israelites in captivity for 40 years. And you notice something very interesting here. And maybe it was there, but it's not written about. Verse 1 says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. So they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And God gives them the Philistines. But what we don't see here in this cycle that normally we would see is God's people calling out for deliverance. We don't see that in this this particular cycle. That's interesting. Have you ever noticed that before? But we see what? We see God still being faithful and helping these people and giving a deliverer. And you know much of the story of Samson and how he goes and causes these things even against his parents' wishes and and uh, gets to try to conquer the Philistines. As it says there in verse 5, he truly couldn't get total victory. He would just begin it. It wouldn't be till ultimately David when he fights Goliath there that truly Israel would be freed from the Philistines much later in, in all the things that would come up. But what I'm trying to say is that Israel became accustomed to the Philistines. Things started becoming normal. It was a society where things just became, it used to be that, boy, that was horrible, that was wicked, but they become normal and become part of the society. And this is the society, this is the context that Manoah and his wife are living in. Praise God that even in the times of uh, society drift and all the things that take place in the worldliness, that there can be a godly home. That puts God on the throne. So some of these blessings, we see verses 1 through 5, we see that God comes and he makes himself known to this woman. She has a huge, big problem. and Her problem is the fact that she cannot have children. But we see that the angel of the Lord comes and speaks to her. One of the first blessings I think we need to understand, and I know this was an special event, very special in the book of Judges, but one of, the, one of the blessings that we have is the fact that we can have fellowship with Almighty God. Think about that. Christians can go and they can actually talk with the Almighty God. They can get in the Word of God and have God speak to them. An unsaved home doesn't have that. They don't have the ability. They could, they could call out to God, but they're not seeking Him. They're not wanting to know Him. We can actually have fellowship. We can commune. We can have that personal relationship with Almighty God. What a blessing in a Christian home. What a blessing in our personal lives. We see here in this passage that um, this angel comes in verse 3. And he says, and he, and he tells her her problem again. It's, no, it, it's not news to her. It's no secret. She knows this. We don't know how old she is. But in the middle of the verse, it says, Behold now, thou art barren, embarrass not. She's in a group of, of, of many other women in the Bible, or a few other women in the Bible that have been barren, not able to have children. How tough that was in that society, in the Jewish culture. It was a child was a gift from God. And not to have children really could reflect, in a, and it was wrong thinking, but the disfavor of the Lord. So here she is, her and her husband, and they're trying to live godly in a wicked society, but no child. And God here, the angel of the Lord now says to her, you shall conceive and bear a son. Just as the angel of the Lord told Abraham. Remember that? Sarah heard what's going on and what did she do? Ah, it's not possible. (laughs) You know, she was past years, right? Right. Of her age, way past years, way past the ability to have children. So was Abraham. 
Although God helps Abraham, and Abraham ends up having many more kids with another wife way later. She laughs. You remember, you remember also um, Jacob. Remember Jacob was was deceived himself by Laban, and and he ends up marrying Leah first, and then a week later he marries Rachel. Leah has many kids, so much so that she names her kids. One of the names of the kids was the fact of help my husband to see, remember me, to look upon me, to show favor. Ultimately, she goes and she gives her kids to the Lord because she doesn't fully get her husband's attention. But Rachel does not have children, does not have children. Then God finally gives her a child after many of the children had been born, even giving their own servants uh, to, to wife, to him or to marry him. We also know of others. Hannah, remember Hannah? Hannah cries out to God and God gives her a son and gives her other children. But also Elizabeth in the New Testament. Past age. But God gives her a son. Who's that? John the Baptist. But there's one woman who's given, given an announcement, though she was not even able to have children yet because she was not married. She was not with a man. And that was Mary. And the angel of the Lord came to her and said, that which you shall conceive and that which is in you shall be holy. You see, that is a miracle, folks. Isaiah 7, 14, one of the signs of, the, of Jesus was that he'd be born of a virgin. Every one of those are miracles. But the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see the fact that we have almighty God. The God of miracles, the God of wonder, the God that is marvelous. He's the one that we can go to. He's the one that can hear our prayers. He's the one that we can seek. We can know. It's him. What a blessing for the Christian home to go to almighty God and to look to him and to know him. He's the one that can help. You know, we ought to remember to share these blessings, these miracles, these answers to prayer in our homes. Oh, we got to think about that. I know my my family and I we've we've we have started a blessing jar. We've kind of went away from it. It's kind of behind our our coffee <laughs> our coffee maker right now. But but often I'll do with my kids and I'll say, what are, what's one thing you're thankful for today? Or what's an answer to prayer? And, and I don't do this always. And I'm not the perfect example. That's for sure. But but we ought to be thinking on what it, God is doing. Because truly what can happen in a Christian home, can happen in any home, is the fact of focusing on the problems, focusing on the stresses, the pressures, the big things that are going on. Truly, uh, Manoah's wife, she could have focused, and we don't know fully how long she had been barren. It must have been a time because it was very evident. But she could have focused on the fact she could not have children. She could not have children. And I've never been through that. And some here maybe have experienced that and are going through that. But that's got to be tough. It's got to be very tough. But it's easy to focus on all the negative and what God is not doing and all that. But I'll tell you that. Is, is that a blessing? <laughs> Actually, when we focus on what we don't have and, and the things that are tough, boy, there's used usually a lot of bitterness and a lot of things that really can cause a home to turn away from the Lord and those children that see that. But we don't see that. We don't know. We don't know all those things. But what we do know is that God was doing a miracle and God was doing a great and mighty thing. And we need to take notice of when he answers prayer and what he does in our lives. 
It's good to keep a prayer journal. It's good to keep a blessing book. It's good to have a blessing jar. It's good to have those things and to be constantly reminded of what God, Almighty God, the God that we can know has done in our lives. Isn't it? What a blessing to look back. I know Pastor has a blessing book. How many of you have ever seen his blessing book? It's very thick. He's got stuff just held out or falling out, basically. And he opens it up many times and encouraging himself and the Lord. But not only the fellowship with Almighty God, and, and this, this was an amazing event. This was a, really a special child. And, and she's given here the fact that she would conceive and bear a son. And, and uh, she talks about the Nazarite vow, not only for the child, but for her until she was able to have the child. And so there's very specific instructions that are given. And in verse 6, we read here that the woman came and told her husband saying, a man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God. Very terrible, very awesome. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told he me his name. But he said unto me, behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son. And then gave the instructions about the Nazarite vow, and then even said from the womb even to his death, he was to keep that. And so we read here, really, really we see the, the woman, the wife, being able to come and to tell her husband, One of the blessings of a godly home is the idea that there's mutual trust in a marriage. Mutual trust in a marriage. Trust is very important in marriage, isn't it? It's very important in any type of relationship. If you cannot trust the other person, oh man, you're always fearful. You're always looking behind your back. You're always wondering what's going to happen. But here the, the, the woman, the wife, was able to just come to her husband and to share what she had seen. I mean, this was pretty amazing. Think about it. And at this time, the Lord didn't have a lot of special revelations. I mean, as you look through the Bible, the angel of the Lord appearing to people in the Old Testament, it's a handful of times, folks. It's not, it's not happening tons of times. But she's given this revelation from God. And she doesn't just go hide it. There's an openness. She's not going to just keep this a secret to herself, but she's going to go and tell her husband. Because there must have been a, an openness, there must have been a welcoming for her to be able to do this. And I don't, I don't want to try to stretch some of this. But she had met with God and she wanted to share what God had told her. You see, folks, in a, in a marriage, in a godly home, we ought to be meeting with God. God ought to be speaking to us through his word. We ought to be drawing near to him and we ought to be sharing those things back and forth between a husband and wife between a husband and his, his children or a father and his children or, or truly not just in the home, but in the church family, we ought to be sharing what God's doing. That's one of the neat things about a, a Wednesday night or a Sunday night, being able to share how did God speak to you this week? What was his word? What, what really grabbed your soul? How did God uh, show himself very real in your life? But there's this mutual trust and she's sharing this and there's openness. There's no, uh, no secret here. Um, and really, this this makes the the Christian marriage on a whole different level than somebody that's lost and doesn't know the Lord. When you're able to meet with God individually and then come together and to share what God has done in your high, your life, there, there's 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 such a bond, there's such a strength, there's such a, a a neat unity, a neat oneness that can come when that when that happens. Truly, there must have been. We know there are roles in marriage. The Bible's clear in the New Testament that the wife is to what? To respect her husband, to submit as the Lord, uh, submit 
as unto the Lord and submit unto her husband, as in, as is, as in the Lord. I'm not sure I'm slaughtering that verse, okay? But, um, but there's this respect for her husband. Husbands, you need, to, uh, you need to love your wife. It's clear there in Ephesians chapter 5 that the husband's to love his wife as Christ loved the church. There has to be roles in marriage. You've never seen, or maybe you have seen an animal with two heads. How does that turn out for the animal? Not very well. Those animals don't usually live very long, and it's usually kind of a freak thing. Mutations usually aren't good, okay? But in the home, there can only be one head of a home. And that's not very popular in our society, is it? But there's this openness. There's this coming before the husband and and sharing these things. And and you don't see Manoa here saying, oh, that's just, you must have just dreamed that up. We've been, we've been without child so long. Just, just be quiet. You don't see that, do you? You see just a, uh, just a, a love for his wife. And we'll see in the next part when he prays and he prays together with her. Though there are roles in marriage, we're all equal before God, aren't we? God intended the home to have roles so it could function well and so that the ball, that the, the family could keep going and, and going well to serve God. It's a godly thing. It's a good thing. Uh, though there be differing roles, we're equal in the eyes of the Lord. In Proverbs 31, 11, the, the proverb of the virtuous woman, that section says the heart of her husband trusts in her. There's this trust. Uh, Proverbs 31, 28 says her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. He praises her for, for who she is in, in Christ and how she loves the Lord and all the things that she does as a virtuous woman. Let me ask you, do you create a welcoming spirit in your home? Is there an openness in your home? Or is there a tenseness in your home? Boy, I tell you, when, when, when you let the sin of anger reign in your home, it's, it's not going to be a, a welcoming home. Your children aren't going to want to talk to you. Your grandchildren aren't going to want to talk to you about the things that are really meaning a lot in their heart. They're not going to open those things up. Those things are, those things are, are hidden in their heart. And the Bible says a godly man will draw it out. Oh, the sin of anger in our homes, how it kills. As we think about looking at the sin of bitterness, all those things, they just, they just kill a godly home. They kill the blessings. She saw her husband as a, as a counselor, as an advisor. I mean, truly it was a, an object lesson to the world, to that society, that, that mutual trust, that good relationship between Manoah and his wife. You know, one of the things that can ruin marriages is a lack of trust for the spouse. Normally this happens, and I've seen this in counseling people, normally it happens when one spouse or the other spouse hurts that spouse deeply. Deeply. Um, The worst, I would think, would be adultery, wouldn't it? How tough that is. And we've got to be careful. The things we look at. The women we talk to. I think there's some wise things in a marriage right away. You, you ought to say, hey, I will have no other friends of the opposite sex like my wife. And if it is a friend, it would be in a, in a setting of, of a plurality of people. But truly, those, those friends ought to really kind of dis- diminish when you get married. Your wife ought to be, your, and wife's, your husband ought to be your best friend. 
Because truly, as as this happens, as as this problems can happen there, and uh, when that trust leaves, boy, it's tough. It's tough to regain trust, isn't it? Especially in a marriage. But can God do that? Can God help? Yes, He can. We can repent and we can turn to the Lord and God can heal. I have, I have no doubt in this room there's been marriages that maybe went through some really tough times in dealing with trusting one another that God saved and God did a mighty work. See, marriages like that, that can go through it and keep looking to God, repenting, getting to know His Word, uh, earning back that trust with your spouse and loving and, and forgiving those who have wronged. I have no doubt those marriages are stronger because of the grace of God. Because of the grace of God. Turn, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 3. I feel like I need to say this too. I don't... Whenever you're preaching a message, there always can be various thoughts, and I, I don't know what all is going through everyone's head, but no doubt there are some here today that would say, but Pastor Nathan, you don't understand my situation. You don't know what I'm going through. And you're probably right, I don't. I really don't, but God does. And He loves you and He cares for you so much. But there might be some here today, but Pastor Nathan, what do I do? I have a spouse that's not even saved. They don't even know Christ as their Savior. How am I to respond? How, how, do, I, how do I deal with that? Well, God does give us advice. First Peter 3, verse 1. <clears throat> Peter writes here, and he's writing to a church that's going through just tough things, all kinds of, of um, suffering, things that are going on. And Peter says to them, In verse 1, he says, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Show that respect. Be submissive. Not, not, Not in abuse, not in wrong, like criminal activity. That's not what it's talking about. Obvious, right? That's obvious. But talking about how when the husband makes a decision, there are times when we just need to just say, Okay, I'm going to pray for my husband. I'm going to, I'm going to trust him. Be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation or the behavior of the wives. I've heard testimonies before of someone that has a lost spouse. Normally it's a lost husband, just of the things of the world. And that that wife, she gets right with God and she goes through those power struggles. And and sometimes it's just about going to church. The husband says, no, you can't. Those are tough things. But a woman that is able to then just go to her God and say, God, I trust you. I know you've given this man. You love me. You will help. You can do a work. We can pray that he'd be saved. And and I've heard testimony after testimony of God helping the woman to, to fulfill her role and show that godly love. And that husband thinking, there's something different about my wife. I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. She used to complain. She used to argue with me. But, but I, I just I have to go to find out more about that God of hers because there's, there's something amazing. <laughs> God, God's doing something in her that I got to know more about. Your testimony, ladies, is powerful. And those, though God knows, and we pray for those spouses that don't know Christ, the Bible says that husbands here to love your wife, Wives, you're to submit to your husband, and God can do a great and mighty work. And later here, we, we read in this passage, I, I like to look at verse 5. It says, For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Think about that. Twice Abraham ends up saying he's just the brother of her, and she's taken away from him. 
and could have been married by the leaders of those different countries. She still trusted her husband. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'd be tough as a pastor to counsel <laughs> someone to do that, right? And, um, but she had such a trust in God and such a, a reverence for her husband that she looked to the Lord and God did a mighty work. And God saved that marriage and God helped and now infidelity took place. Boy, that's powerful, isn't it? Verse 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Oh, there's so much here. The husbands dwelling according to knowledge, getting to know their spouse, spending time with their spouse, giving that honor, that respect to the wife, and just being heirs together of the grace of life. I don't know. I don't know your home. I don't know your upbringing. I don't know where you're at. But I know that God can help. God can bless a godly home. God can help you wherever you're at. And the blessings can come. Let's go back to the book of Judges. Not only are one of the blessings fellowship with Almighty God, uh, secondly, a mutual trust in a marriage, but also there's a parental guidance from the Lord. Parental guidance from the Lord. And this, this is awesome. This is something the, the lost world doesn't have. They don't have that parental guidance. They don't have the instruction. They don't have the help. And I've heard this before that, that you know, a child, when a child is born, there's no instruction manual. And the fact is, there is an instruction manual. It's right here. We have God's word. We have the promises of God. We have the principles of God. I've seen a picture on the internet one time and it, it said God's instruction manual and there's a little baby laying on the Bible, you know, and precious, they, like a picture Kelly Kaminsky would take, you know. But it's true, isn't it? I talked to Eben this morning, Joe's oldest son, and I said, I said, man, isn't it awesome to have another baby brother? You know, congratulations. I wanted to get his take on it, you know, and, and he kind of stood up taller. And he kind of, you know, he kind of looked and walked there and he said, Yes, something like that, you know, and I was thinking, man, he's proud to have his little baby brother, Gabriel, you know, um, but there's there's an awesome responsibility, isn't there? Having the fourth, fourth child, having your first child. I remember being at the hospital and and sitting and waiting. My parents could not come. Kelly's parents could not come. And and I remember my wife going in for a cesarean and I'm sitting out there on this on this seat and I got all my scrubs on and everything. And they're they're doing the uh, whatever they do to to help stop some of the pain. And uh, I remember just thinking, wow, God, this will change my life forever, <laughs> you know. And um, it was huge. What an awesome responsibility. And I think, I think Manoah here, he senses that awesome responsibility of having now going to have a child. And the fact that not only is he just some type of child, but he's, he's a child. And, and, I, and I, don't, I don't know one thing. I don't know if Manoah's wife shared everything with Manoah, the fact that he would help deliver the Philistines. I'm not totally sure. The Bible doesn't say. Later, later Manoah says, what will be the occupation of my child? But there had to be an awesome responsibility upon Manoah. And we see here in verse... Eight, we see the fact that what did he do when he got this news? It says, then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, oh, my Lord, let the man of God, which thou didst send, come again unto us and teach us that we shall do unto the child that shall be born. You see, one of the blessings of a godly home is parents who go to the Lord in prayer for their children. 
Do you catch it here? It does say Manoah's praying. He's entreating. He's begging. He's beseeching. He's asking. No doubt in my mind we're thinking of a man that got down on his knees and he's just saying, God, bring the man back. Help him to teach us to know how to train this child. Help us. But we see here it wasn't just Manoah. We see really Manoah and, and his wife. It, in, in verse 8 it says here, notice these pronouns, these, these plural pronouns. He says, O Lord, let the man of God which shall descend come again unto us and teach us that we shall do unto the child that, that shall be born. He sees his need to just depend upon God. He's asking God for divine assistance. He's asking God for help. Lord, help me. Help me to know how to bring up this child. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. He'd numbered his days. He'd understood this child. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. See, they're united in prayer. They're bending their knee. They're praying for even a child that's not been born. In fact, may not even be conceived yet. We're not even sure in the context there. We know later he will be conceived and and born. But at this point, they're praying. How important it is to pray for our children in our home. How How important to pray even for those children. There may be some that are not even married in here, but thinking about your family in the future. I'll never forget Mike Smith, his wife would often give testimony that Mike's parents prayed for her when she was just a little girl because they prayed for the wife of their son. How important it is to pray. How important is it to be a team together, to work together? How important is it to leave a treasure of prayer, not just working on treasury of treasure of silver and gold? They prayed. And lastly, and I pretty much ran out of time in the first service. I might have to come back to second service if you want to hear more. But... Uh, One day that will not be so, right? (laughs) But there was an atmosphere of the gospel in the home. Ultimately, when Manoah has this angel of the Lord come back, he realizes this isn't just some angel. This isn't a man. This isn't just angel. This is God. It's user that he is marvelous, that he is wonderful. And he says, can I feed you something? He says, no, but you can make a burnt offering to the Lord. They make this burnt offering to the Lord, and God, what, consumes it, and inside the fire is the angel of the Lord. What is, how does Manoah respond to that? He says, I'm going to die. We're going to die. When he gets a good awareness of how holy God is and how sinful he is, we're going to die. We, th- this, is, this is not possible. We just saw God, God. We just saw a pre-incarnate Christ, really. But the wife there gently reminds him and says, hey, listen, he, the sacrifices were burnt up. Look at the promises he's given us. Look at the instruction, the help. You see, folks, we've got to remind our families, and one of the blessings is that the gospel is often preached. Christ took our sin debt. He paid our sin in full. And we can have his righteousness and eternal life. Is that a blessing to have the gospel in our homes? Let's close our eyes and bow our heads this morning. We are truly blessed to have godly homes. I pray that your home is a godly home. And though I know that we can always look back and and we can focus on all the things we didn't have. But the fact is you're here at church today with church, church family. You're here under the instruction of the word of God. You're here singing these songs 
And we can know the Almighty God. We have a Savior, the Lord Jesus, that came and died in our place. He loved us. He took our sin, our shame, our punishment, and He rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. And He offers that free gift to us. He helps us to give the grace, the instruction. He can heal our marriages. He can, he can heal what is broken and He can help. Because we have a God that loves us. But He, he needs to be on the throne in your heart and in your, your family. So there may be some here that just need to confess sin to God. There be some just personally, individually confessing sin. God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, you know, you know the hearts today. And Lord, as we've tried to focus on the home, I know, I know my inadequacies. I know um, I'm still in the middle of this raising children. And uh, only so many years into a marriage. But Lord, we're thankful that your word is truth. And that your word will not fail. And that you will not leave us nor forsake us. And Lord, we ask today that you'd be on the throne of our hearts and our homes. That you would help us, Lord, show us areas of sin. Lord, if there's the sin of anger or bitterness, Lord, I pray that we'd, we'd confess that to you today. That we would turn to you and that we would, we would ask that our minds be renewed with the word of God. That our relationship with you would be, would be so much stronger that we would, when we're tempted in those areas, we would call out to you and we would trust you knowing that you're sovereign, that you're good, that all things will work together for good. Lord, I pray that you'd heal our homes. You'd help us, Lord. Lord, we love you now. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you would stand to your feet, let's close with the hymn this morning. It's number 325.